Bibles with me for what is planned in Matthew chapter 18. If you're new with us, we're going through the Bible verse by verse in the book of Matthew. Today we're going to talk about sin in the church. Don't think I'll be able to get to the forgiveness part, but it will touch on forgiveness as we see how God can restore those who sin in the church. So go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 says, if your brother or sister sins, go point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that is from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 19.15. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Somebody go, ooh, some dangerous stuff going on here. Better be careful. To continue on the thought, he says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Remember when I told you in Matthew 16 when Peter received the keys of the kingdom that he wasn't the only one to get the keys, that the whole church was to get those keys, and I skipped ahead to this passage? Well, here is the evidence of that. Now in the church, we all get the keys to bind and loose. We get to do that spiritually over the devil like the Bible says to bind the strong man so that you can take his goods. What the devil has stolen from you, you should bind in the name of Jesus and get it back. As Ephesians talks about spiritual warfare, standing your ground and fighting against him. But it also says that you can lose things on earth that they will be loosed in heaven. And so we can ask God to loose the things of heaven to come down to earth. So we're binding up the bad, loosing the good. The church has the authority to do that. Peter and Matthew 16 was the first person to enter the church. And how did he enter the church? Based on his confession of who Jesus is. So he started with Peter, Jesus did, by giving him the keys. And now the keys have come to the church. And we know that's the way it is because at the end of Matthew, all authority that Jesus has, he gives to the church to make disciples of the nations. Can I get an amen? Amen. So remember to have a prayer life of binding and loosing. And then in verse 19, he says, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. That's how I know it applies to the church because he said, again, or as we would say, likewise. When two or three believers get together, there is authority in their prayer and they can ask for the will of God, not for your wants, but for the will of God, and you can trust that it will come to pass. Now let's go to the church discipline section. If you've been in our church for any bit of time, especially if you've started our discipleship, you know about our church discipline protocols. That comes from the scripture. We don't just have baptism protocols, communion protocols, have fun at each other's house protocols. We actually also have protocols to what to do if things go wrong. I can tell you right now, from being a pastor for around 20 years, that it's not what goes wrong that makes things really wrong. 
It's how you handle what goes wrong that makes it either good or really bad. Are you tracking with me? And I see Ricky, our elder, who's been around a while. He's got some nicks and bite marks from the sheep as well. He can testify. It's never the situation that is what makes everything bad or good. It's how you handle the situation. Because I've seen people go through just little issues. And I don't mean to make sin big or little because it's all equally wrong in God's eyes. I'm just saying a little issue in the sense of it would only take a few minutes to clarify the entire thing. And I have watched that blow up entire families from coming to church, so forth and so on. And then I've seen people even deal with in this church affairs, affairs or other issues, and they go through it and they keep serving God. Why is it that the situation doesn't determine the outcome? It's because it's the people that go through the situation that determine the outcome. So I never underestimate what one small problem can do in somebody's life because one small problem that you don't handle will blow your whole entire life up, your spiritual life up. But a big problem that you handle right with God, you'll just keep on ticking. Just look at it. It is so simple. Anytime I've ever seen situations in the church go bad, go wrong, it's because people did not follow this four-step process. Here it is. If there's a problem, go to them individually. If that doesn't work, bring somebody else along. If that doesn't work, tell it to the church. And then after that, if they don't listen, kick them out of the church and don't be with them. Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Those four steps will always work in the church. And, of course, the three are reparative. The fourth is now discipline. But listen to me, even if you all follow the fourth one, you won't be distracted by those who have to go. So it's those four things that give us safety, and that's why for over 20 years I've always pastored growing churches, great people. I have had lifelong relationships. A lot of the people you see here have been here for a long time, and some uh, even from the beginning days. And that just shows that we do things in such a way that can be honorable. And it doesn't matter who you are, including me uh, as a pastor here or you as the visitor. If we all abide by this, there won't be any problems. So let's just take the first step. Let's go back up to the verses, please. Go to verse 15. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Does it say go gossip about them? Does it say go put it on Facebook? Make an innuendo about it to have them try to figure it out because you don't call them anymore. <laughs> no, what does it literally say for you to do? Go to them. How many problems could be avoided if we just took the first step? Go to them. Brother, sister, I feel you sinned against me. I feel you said something against me that was wrong. It hurt my feelings, so on and so forth. I heard you believed something that wasn't biblical, so I want to talk to you about it. If you go to them and deal with it, you have the opportunity to settle it without anyone else being involved. And oftentimes I tell new couples this, that when I first got married and my wife and I would get into a fight, I almost felt like I was on a reality TV show and if I was to say I was wrong, the entire audience or whatever was watching me would all laugh at me. I just felt like this sense of embarrassment to be wrong. 
And then I began to realize, like, I'm not in front of a studio audience. This isn't reality TV. Nobody is here other than the person I'm in a disagreement with and happens to be the one I love more than anyone else. What do I have to lose if I'm wrong? At the very least, the person I love the most gets to be a little bit smarter than me in this conversation. But yet, see how often our pride blocks us from doing that. Just you and the brother, you and the sister, by yourselves. No one there is watching. No one there is keeping a scorecard. No one there is to make one of you look bad or the other look good. It ought to literally be we're here to learn from each other in love. And so at the very least, if I'm wrong, I learn something. I learned how to be a better friend. I learned how to treat you differently. I learned how to understand the Bible better. I learned how to not do such and such a thing or to do such and such a thing. What do we have to lose? Nothing. If you come to us with an issue as elders or deacons, we're going to first ask you, have you done this? Don't come to us unless you have done this. Now I always make the side note because I'm a good pastor. This does not count for abuse. Does everybody get that? You do not keep your abuse between you and your abuser. If you're being verbally abused, physically abused, sexually abused at any age, any time, in any relationship, seek help immediately. This is talking about everyday issues that you'll face in the church. Go to the person. Talk to them. Be a person that can be understanding. Trust that they have your best interest in mind. If it doesn't work, there is a step two. But aim for step one to resolve it. Come there in your heart to say, let's resolve it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Let's go through it again, and I'll be more than willing to say I'm sorry or to change, or maybe I can learn something. And if both of you came with that same attitude, you will work it out. Nine times out of ten, it will be settled. Our administrator said amen. Why aren't y'all saying amen? You will save us a lot of time of trying to email Lauren and then she contacts you with the next people to get involved. Because step two in our church, when you bring others along, we now want you to bring along someone that's in leadership. If you don't have them there immediately and you just want to bring in another friend from the life group or something, that's okay. But hopefully your life group leader is still there. Hopefully you can reach out to someone on Facebook and then set up a time. So our preferred way is that from this point on, from this step onward, if y'all are not solving it, bring in one of our elders or deacons. At this point, we do not want you to think we always believe our elders and deacons know everything. They can be wrong too. But we would ask you in that situation to give them the benefit of the doubt, just like you would want the benefit of the doubt if you were a leader in a church that had appointed you to help settle problems. So the elder or deacon now gets involved, hears the situation again, and once again, they're mostly the easiest things to settle And what makes it worse, what keeps it going, is that people don't want to listen. I have been in meetings after meetings after meetings, and some of you wish you knew what our meetings were about. No, you don't. You nosy little thing, you. No, you don't. I wish I didn't know what our meetings were about. You're trying to get into our meetings. I'm trying to get out of our meetings. 
I am serious. You want to get in there and hear it? It's not pretty. It's not fun. It's just imagine Judge Judy with Bible verses strung along. That's all it looks like is two people fighting and you're Judge Judy in the middle and you're just like the Bible says. The Bible says. And then at that moment with the story of Solomon and the one woman who lost her child and claimed her friend's child as her own because they lived together and had infants, Solomon said, well, because you can't settle it, I'll split the child in two, and now none of you will have a child except two parts of a dead corpse. And the one whose child it really was shouted out, don't do that. And the one who was pulling the scheme says, yeah, go ahead and do it because she knew she already had lost her child and would be happier that her friend lost her child than for her to see her friend with a child. Then Solomon said, it's the one who's crying out for mercy on the child that's really the mother. And I can tell you almost 100% of the time, as a sure way, it is the one in the conversation going, I'm willing to make it right. I, I'm, I can say I'm wrong. It is generally that one that I see having the truth. It's the one who wants to keep digging it in doesn't want to drop it, doesn't want to even see that they possibly could have contributed. Another way of saying it, if you want to put it on a Facebook post, generally the one that is willing to apologize is the one that's most humble in a fight. The one that's willing to apologize is generally the one that's most humble. Now, of course, there's narcissistic personalities who will apologize just to get back in to do it again. I'm not talking about in every and all situation. I'm trying to speak in generalities. The general thing is the one who goes, okay, I see two are now against me because remember, it's not going to be confusion with three people there now. There's going to be a two against one at some point with a point, with a, with a, with a belief. And at that point, the one who says, now I don't agree with the person I had the argument with, and I don't agree with the witness that is here, let's amp it up and tell it to the church. Well, in our church, the tell it to the church is the elders who represent the church. Like I said, we're not going to have a Judge Judy uh, time of settling our problems every week at Metro Praise, though some of you would tune in for that. Every week we tell it to the church and let you guys be the jury. We believe that the church there means the representatives, the leaders, multiple elders, multiple deacons. And at this stage of the game, we let the person who has said it hasn't worked out one-on-one, -on -one, it hasn't worked out when your leader came, we now give them the permission to bring whoever they want to this meeting of multiple elders. They can bring their wife, their husband, their high school teacher, their elementary school teacher. They can bring their, their nanny from growing up. They can bring the local mayor. They can bring whoever they want to now make their case before the church. And at that point, if the elders and deacons decide against them again, we have no choice now but to put them out of the church and to say, you have not played nice. And let me just give you an example of generally how this works. It is someone that either has a personal sin or a personal disagreement that they don't want to deal with. I have never seen someone go through this with simply having a disagreement. Never. Does everybody get that? If they have told you they have been kicked out of the church based on a disagreement, they are a liar. It has always been sin and the inability to work out their disagreement biblically. 
And let me give you a perfect example of this. You don't have the right as a Christian, put up Hebrews 13, 17, please. You don't have the right as a Christian, midstream through church discipline, say, you're no longer my leaders. Oh, how convenient, mon frere. Isn't it something that the day before we were baptizing you, the day before we were dedicating your children, the day before we were doing all these things, but it just happened to be in the middle of your disagreement, in the middle of your sin, you're now pulling the I quit, you're not my leader card. Go to the King James Version. It's a little bit stronger. If your church has not changed doctrinally and morally, in the middle of your disagreement, and you are now saying, I'm out because it's not going my way, my friend, you are the problem. I'm going to say that again. Have we changed any doctrine since you've been here? Not one. Have we changed any of our practices since you've been here? No. So at this point, how could someone just out of the blue say, I'm out of here? It wouldn't have to do with the Bible. It would now simply have to do with running away. Look at Hebrews 13, 17. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Those three words these people hate. If you hate the word obey, you hate the word rule, and you hate the word submit, you are the problem. I'm going to say it again. I have never watched someone be disfellowshipped, which is the term for being kicked out of the church, going through these things that has ever had a doctrinal Bible issue. Do you know why? Because if we met a Christian that had a doctrinal issue, by the second step when the other elder or deacon joins them, we'll just say, this is not the church for you then. We're, we're sorry. Uh, we're not a King James only church. Or uh, we believe women can be in the ministry. Please go find another church. Be at peace. Be blessed. We never let it even go beyond. No one has ever even gotten to stage three like it's if it's some theological debate. They got their Bibles open and they're debating about the thing. Never. It's always sin or their unwillingness to humble themselves in a disagreement. And I have watched the smallest disagreements blow up entire families. It's because they didn't want to do it God's way. In the meeting of the elders, the last one, when everyone's there and all the witnesses are there, my brother here will be a, a witness to being in some of those meetings. One time, we, we used to bring in other churches. So if you ran to another church, we would go to that church and get that pastor to bring you. We stopped doing that after we saw it didn't bring any change. They would just come and try to argue and fight, and the pastor would just sit there and go, well, let's just go on our own way, brother. See, they didn't understand church discipline. I said, you're going to reap what you've sowed. And listen to me, every single one of the churches that took our members that were in discipline, they themselves got blowed up by those members eventually over time. I'm telling you, man, I'm just being honest with you. I remember one time we were having one with the pastor that it came from the, with the church that got, the person was going to. And he apologized, and all the things were made right. And they said, well, what should we do? We said, have him come back here, finish the Bible college, and then have him go to your church so that the people here that he used to lead, and this was years ago. If I named his name, most of you wouldn't even know. 
years, uh, the people he's influenced here for years will now see he respects the church. That's it. He can go to your church. We love it. He can visit and do things. But have him finish the Bible college here because we believe once you start, you finish. That's just what we believe. How many believe you start, you, you know, finish what you start? And then he goes, that's fine. But then he'll show the people the way he left, the things he said about us, all of that which was done was ungodly. And the pastor said, well, let's just hit reset and go about our ways. Well, at that point, I realized I was talking to an Oompa Loompa. Now that man's not even a pastor, being honest with you. I can name his name. Some of you would know him. So I began to realize we're not going to chase you down to other churches. We now just ask you to respect the word. And the word is quite simple here. If we go back to the passage, please. Someone sins against you, go to them privately. Work it through. Come with the best attitude possible. Number two, if it doesn't work, bring somebody along. If at that point you're right and our deacon gets it wrong, you could be in that minority of a situation. There is a system built in to protect you because now everybody comes as heavy hitters. All the other elders will come. And I will tell you right now, I will slam an elder just as fast as I'll slam you if you're wrong, right? I don't care. If, if the elder has sinned against you and we got everyone there and I'm hearing the testimony, we're going to do it because you guys have never seen favoritism here. Maybe rebuke is a better word than slam. No one's getting slammed, not WWF, amen? <laughs> but, what, but what I'm saying is some of you have already seen situations and elders have sat down, deacons have sat down. We don't play with that here. So I'm telling you, once I get in the meeting, because I'm in that last meeting, no matter what, I'm always in those last meetings. Well, most of the time, I should say. At that point, I mean, we fear God. It's like if you, if you were right and you had gone through all of that, I'm coming there fearing and trembling. I'm saying, dear God, don't let me miss it here. If they're saying our elder said this and then this one said that and this one said this and this is the... Man, I haven't been in that situation yet, but I'm telling you, I would be open for that. I would blow this whole thing up and start again just with you if that was what was going on. Are you listening to me? I'm telling you the truth. If, all, if everybody around me was wrong and you were the only one right, okay, let's start the Bible study at my house again. Let's go again. Well, I guess we messed up. But I've never been in that situation. And of course, it doesn't have to come to that, but you get my point. But I have seen people try to run away in the middle of this going, no, nah, no, nah, I don't have to. As they go gossip about us, they're cowards. You go tell your side of the story, but you won't stand before me now and Ricky and Lauren and others. And we have, in that, in that last meeting, we have said we will record it, we'll put it live, because you're already talking about us out there. We'll record, we don't care. At that point, I'm cool, I'm cool with Judge Judy. And, and or, we don't have to. I don't threaten them like we'll put it live. I'm just saying and or, and or you can bring another pastor. You can... You can get whoever you want. I'm telling you, we make it as easy as that person could ever want it to complete their case. But nine times out of ten, like I said, they don't want to because they're in sin or they just want their disagreement to be their ticket now to leave. Even though five minutes before that disagreement, we were their pastors, we were their church, there was no doctrinal change. It was just they don't know how to handle issues. And so never put yourself in those people's uh, in, in relationships with them. It says if they refuse to listen, even to the church. So at that last stage, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Are you going to go to a pagan's Bible study? Hey, pagan, teach me the scriptures. I want to learn from you. You're going to do that? You're going to let a pagan teach you a Bible study? No. Are you going to go to a tax collector's house and have them, you know, teach you things? No. The Bible says be wise about this. We love them. We pray for them. And I even see some in this church who have left the wrong way and who have come back the right way, and they're sitting next to you right now so God can restore them. 
So let me just say this in closing as the band and altar workers come, please. If you ever find yourself in an issue, try to handle it one-on-one. If you feel like that person still does not get it, call one of our elders and deacons alongside of you. Nine times out of ten, I've been given a lot of nine times out of ten, but I'm telling you, it's like majority here, majority here, majority. Majority of real issues will get settled by step two. Most of the time when I see them get to step three, when the church is involved, they're pretty much already rolling out because now they see that they couldn't get away with it. I've only had a handful of step three meetings because most of the time when the elder or deacon gets involved, it's like, this is kind of obvious. Here's the scripture. Let's go by it. The very few times we've actually had to get the church involved, it's like I said, it's just a mess. And it's because no one wants to at that moment to just stop and be like, okay, I created a problem here, you know? When we humble ourselves, look at the authority we get. Look at 18 and onward, please. Why do you think the devil wants to keep us fighting against each other? Because then we don't have the power to gather together and bind him. Do you see that? See, we're supposed to have power together in our unification. The Bible says that when brothers and sisters dwell together, it's like the oil that ran down Aaron's beard all the way down his robe. The sign is a sign of anointing and power. And so what does he try to do? He tries to get, gets us to fight against each other and to pity each other uh, pit one against another. And the problem with that is, is Jesus saw it ahead of time. So he gave us the solution. The question is, do you want to be a part of the problem or do you want to be a part of the solution? Be a part of the solution. So if somebody comes to you and they're talking about somebody else, the first thing you're supposed to say to them is, hey, hey, not for me. Not for me. Go to them first. Go to them first. Because I'm telling you as a pastor, I have heard some crazy firsthand stories on the one side. When I hear some of you tell your one side, it is like, oh my gosh. They did what? They did that? Oh, man, really? And then when I hear the other side, it's like, no, it's totally opposite. You guys know what I'm talking about. You've been around long enough. How many of you have heard some, some crazy one-sided stories? How many of you have dated somebody that they all they talked about was their baby daddy, baby mom, and you thought they were the craziest person in the world, and then one day you finally met them, you're like, no, no, no. They ain't the one that's crazy. You crazy. You the one that's crazy. I like baby mama more than I like you. I like baby daddy more than I like you. I'm telling you, man, people will come to you with one-sided stories that will just blow your mind. You're just like, oh, no, they didn't. And then you're just like, oh, let's call the police. Let's call the FBI. Let's settle it. Let's go get them. Let's take off our hoops, slick back our hair. Come on, let's go. But, but then you hear the other side, and they're like, no, that's not really what happened. This is what happened. And, this, and then somewhere in the middle, right, is the truth. Now, gener- uh, generally, there is a middle ground, but sometimes it can be one or the other. Don't get me wrong. But my point is, don't let people come to you with the first side. Just go talk to them. If you're, and, and if you're not an elder or deacon here, you're living my dream life right now when it comes to this. I love everything about being an elder or deacon other than this right here. I'm telling you. So if you're not an elder or deacon, say what I fantasize about and say, not my problem. (laughs) Not my problem. Just tell them it ain't my problem. You go talk to them about it, and if that don't work out, go call up one of these elders or deacons. 
You get to live out my fantasy. Some of the business owners in here nodding their heads. I know you wish you could say, not my problem sometimes to customers. You know, you, you just live in a world where everybody wants to point their finger at somebody and tell you something, right? And we have to deal with it. And I've, I've paid my dues in this area, so praise God. Now there's pastors under, under our, my wife and I that can help us in this. And I still get involved occasionally. But I'm telling you, if you're not in the issue, free yourself. Just go talk to them, talk to the church. Because remember, don't let somebody else's bad day ruin your good day. You loved what God is doing here. You loved what God was doing here five seconds ago before that nonsense started. And by the way, I hear it all, and I still love you guys. Amen. I hear it all, and I say, well, most of it, and I still love you. And then after that, if you're in a situation, just do your best to go through the steps. And let me just say this now on a good day when everybody's dressed nice, smelling good in church, looking good on Sunday. Let me just say this. If you ever, if you ever find yourself in a meeting and there are two or three elders or deacons around you and they are pleading with you, humble yourself at that moment. That's all that I ask. If you find yourself there, just say, God, help me to see what's going on because how did I end up in this position? Lord, either they turned into Mormons or I turned into a problem. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you find yourself in that circle and we're all just looking at you going, please see it, just humble yourself, you know. Help us, Lord. Can we stand up and give it up for Jesus? He's the pastor of the church. He's our head shepherd. He'll take care of us. Father, we ask you to bless us as we prepare to leave today. As I'm praying right now, if anyone has been hurt in the church, either this one or another church, and you want healing from that, feel free to come forward. If you have come here today and you don't know Jesus personally, this might be an odd message, but it's a good message for you to hear about Jesus in charge of stuff, and he wants to be in charge of your life and handle your problems. You can come up as well. Or if you're going through issues and need help settling them, here's some elders and deacons that can help be your witness. Lord, bless us. Keep us. Help us to be humble and do things your way and bring peace and order to the church and those who have left the wrong way. God, bring them back so that they can make it right. And God, forever has come to this church and is now going to another church. Let this church hear me say I bless them and I encourage whatever they're doing for you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's bless the Lord. Hallelujah.